Welcome to Season 2 of I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Caraview. For Season 2, my guest hosts chose the record, and I'll be honest, sometimes I do not fucking love it. However, I did fucking love talking to each and every one of them about their choice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we will be discussing Versus, the second album by Pearl Jam, released on October 19th, 1993 on Epic Records, produced by Brendan O'Brien. Versus set the record for most copies of an album sold in its first week, a record that it held for five years, despite not making any videos for the album's singles. It occupied the number one spot on the Billboard 200 chart for five weeks and has been certified seven times platinum in the United States. In the hot seat today is writer and comedian Christian A. Jumay. Tell him about you, Christian. Hey there. I'm a writer, a public speaker, uh, an editor. I'm many things, a writer of books. You can catch me on social media at uh, Pub Chrissy on Twitter, or if you're more inclined at Drunk Hulk. Well, thank you very much for joining today. And because this is season two, we're going to be going over my guest's pick. That's right. It's mine. About me. It's all about Christian. Uh, so this time we're going to start with how did this album enter your life? By the way, uh, just so you know, I think the last time we talked, we did that Johnny Cash album. And uh, this came out October 19th, and that Johnny Cash album came out October 17th. Not the same year, but I guess we have a thing for albums that come out in October. Well, uh, that the whole grunge thing and Pearl Jam was happening when I was in high school. In my senior year, uh, for 91, I think the first album comes out. I was aware of them, but uh, I didn't really connect with Pearl Jam until the end of my senior year, to the summer of 92. And so I felt I was late to the party. But when the second album came out, I was ready. I mean, I was so... This is, you know, that period of my life when, I mean, an album came out, I was there. You know, it was like, it was, I, I regret that I kind of lost connection with that part of me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because of, I, I just, there's, I don't have time for everything anymore. But, but <laughs> at that time, I mean, I, I was just, you know, everything's a soundtrack at that age and everything's perfect. And uh, so I was excited and I felt like this album was just, album of mine you know i came late to the party with the first one which i think arguably one of the greatest rock albums of all time and i was super excited about this album and it was not the same it was not what i expected and yet i think that this sophomore album i might be better and but it's certainly more ambitious and um this is such a great album. I mean, my buddy Dave and I went to the record store. We got this album and we just obsessively listened to this album for days. And so I have a lot of great memories with this album. I want to say that I, I jumped on that first Pearl Jam record right about somewhere in the beginning because I, I knew of Mother Love Bone and I knew that this was basically Mother Love Bone take two. Not at all accurate. I'm going to edit that out. But anyway. You should keep it in because there's, there's somebody listening like, What? Like getting like physically angry. I'll keep it in just to piss that one guy off who still gives a shit. I remember I was supposed to go see them play at Janice Landing. So anybody who's from the Tampa Bay area knows that this is one of those outdoor 
it's basically a concert place. It's just the courtyard of yeah. four different buildings. And it's a great place to see young up and coming bands or mid-level bands. And it was even on a hot Florida night, you're guaranteed just a good show at, at Janice Landing. And I was supposed to go see them at play at Janice. And then the girl I was dating at the time told me she bought tickets, but then she hadn't bought tickets thinking she still could. And then some, I can't remember if another song got released or all of a sudden they went to that next level yeah. and it sold out and I didn't get to go see them at uh, Janice Landing. And I have never forgiven that girl, you shouldn't. whatever her <laughs> name may be. And I think I only caught them live once. I think I saw them at Lollapalooza. I've seen them twice. And that's right. I did see them again in Prague in 2006 wow. or something. Yeah. So I did go, I did end up going to see them again. So only one time during the heyday. So I was ready when this one came out. I was looking forward to it. And I was working in, I think I was working in college radio when this came out. So we got an advanced promo. So I didn't get to hear it. I don't remember exactly when I went and got it, but it was basically in my life from when it came out. My roommate at the time loved the third track. We'll get to all that in just a moment. So that's how this album entered our lives. Now we've been talking about the type, what kind of opener would you say is go call to action this is a call to action i would agree with that track one go what do you have to say about this one chris oh man so great uh what an opener i mean those drums and uh everything i love it set the stage and yet it doesn't i mean it's just but ah uh, yeah it's a great song it's a perfect introduction to the album i mean immediately i i think i want to say they, were, they did a, a live show on mtv and I think that's, I heard this first, I, I could be misremembering it, but I feel like I didn't experience the song for the first time when I heard it on the album. And so I already knew it and I loved it and it was great live and it was great on the album. Everything about it is perfect. This is definitely a call to action opener. It's got a harder edge than really anything on the first album. It tells you this is going to yeah. be different. And I think it's great. It's a great song to drive to. Go. Yeah. It's hard to talk, you know, because we talk about Johnny Cash, it's like the story. But this is just, it's a feeling. I mean, it's like a, there's yeah. just momentum. You go from zero to 70 in like one second and it's just amazing it's just great and pearl jam's no stranger to story songs uh, no we're gonna no, see a I couple mean, of those definitely. on this album this just yeah. is not one of them this is just uh like we're go. going somewhere now get ready yeah <laughs> yeah get it get in the car buckle up we're gonna have fun uh which then brings us to track two uh animal and i like that they went with back-to-back -back yeah. rockers so it wasn't like, all right, we're going to do go, and then we're going to kind of scale it back to the mid-tempo, then we're going to hit the ballad, then we're going to do this. No, it was like, boom, boom, ha-ha. And I think maybe not quite as good as go, but maybe. I don't know. It's This is a this one well, rocks. I feel like they, this is all purposeful, that you know, they have these two tracks, and it's just kind of like get you into like, oh, this is kind of like an extension of where they were, but you can t kind of tell that there's some, they evolved somewhat here. Their, their sound is a little tighter. And, you know, so like, oh, it's good. You know, it's like a, more of the same. It's good because they're about to kind of do a left turn here. And so this is like a really smart choice. Uh, so these two, I mean, completely solid. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and nice way to open up with, like, you know, we talked a little bit about the last time, the order that the tracks are, are, are put on and how that affects your enjoyment uh, of that particular song sometimes. And uh, I just, I, one of those I like that they went with the one-two punch. Uh, but then they, they dropped it down. So track three, uh, I'm pretty sure the 
I don't know if it was the first single, but probably the biggest song off of this album. I believe the most famous song off this album. Hard to say because again, they didn't they didn't have any videos. Right, which if I think why I that live performance was so important because I think they used that as MTV used that as the video for Animal and I think Go. Uh, and so now we have. Track three, Daughter, slows it way down. So we go backtrack quite a bit. This has that warm acoustic guitar. And the first of what, two times on this album where Eddie Vedder sings from a, a, a female perspective. So he's singing from a woman's perspective. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think that's one of the things I love about Eddie Vedder and I love about these bands. I don't think that taking a female point of view it is normal. You don't see that much, I mean, particularly for a male singer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they do it repeatedly is something that I think needs to be highlighted because I think it's so it's part of the reason why they're so special. You know, Perjom has this kind of sensitivity, this sensitivity that you don't really quite see in rock bands that much. And it, a lot of it has to do with their writing, you know, and, and their storytelling. And the fact that they... We keep coming back to female point of view is, is, to me, really special. And so I'm really glad you pointed that out because that comes up in a big way later. And and I think that it's just it's something really really great. And this is one I think does tell a story. And it's hard to it's hard to pull it all out because mm-hmm. again, there I don't think that the lyrics for this one were included. Uh, there's a little bit of handwritten stuff and. And it's still not really clear if he says uh, violence or violins. And I think he even writes both with a question mark. That's, just, right. that's the yeah. only lyric that's written down for this. Per- I think some of the songs have the entire, but this one, no, there was no no lyrics for this one, uh, which I'm sure somebody has figured them out and posted them online at this point. But uh, sure. it does it does tell I'm the sure. story. I think Troubled Childhood is Eddie Vedder's bread and butter. <laughs> though he does take a little bit of a different uh, hook at it. But I mean, even though, after the you know the one-two punch that we started with, and this really does slow things way down. Uh, it fits. This is where you want to put that song. This is you know track three, maybe track four. You don't want to go too far back with it, and then it loses that. So I think uh, I think there's a little bit of there's. It's almost visceral, uh, even though it's not almost metal that you're getting from those first two tracks, and it and it shows a lot of what they are they're able to do. Oh, I mean, it's just this is really the, the beginning because. I feel that beyond this album is when they really started experimenting more. And I think that when the farther it goes, I think the more people kind of check it out. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of what they put out now, but I still love the idea that they're still around, they're still rocking. But I love the fact that they clearly never took the easy route, that they were still willing to experiment. And I feel like with this album, you start to see those moments that, are much more pronounced when you get the Vitalogy and, and some of their other albums that they want to play and they, they, they want to do things their way, and which might be the key to their longevity. Oh, I think that's exactly the key to their longevity. I think they're one of the only bands of that era that are still intact. Uh, and I think it's because they went out of their way to regulate their level of fame. So I think they, yeah. with this album, they put out a really accessible album. I mean, it's not difficult like Vitology. It's not whatever. It's not all of a sudden they're throwing 
film scores at you or something. It's still it's still a pretty listenable album, but they went out of their way to limit the press. They went out of their way to limit their exposure and videos. And so then it's like they just they scaled back until they had what I think they felt was an acceptable level of fame. And then they've just ridden that out. There's still a huge concert draw. Right. I don't know how much their albums sell these days. And I think that's kind of irrelevant at this point. Uh, and again, I saw them in Prague in, I think it was 2006. And it wasn't just the greatest hits concert. They played a bunch of stuff off of whatever was current. Right. Uh, I didn't know a lot of the songs that they played. And I had a great time. Usually, I, I, like, I like to know every song. Uh, I still had a really, I had a fantastic time at that show. Uh, and that brings us into uh, track four, Glorified G. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I almost always skip this one. Uh-huh. Me too. Um, this is the beginning of where the album begins to death for me. Is that I don't think that the, the center holds up as well. But um, I will say that having listened to this album for the past couple of days, I do have a kind of a new appreciation for this section that I didn't have before. After those three track Glorified G kind of let down, and it just doesn't, I don't know, there's something about it that it doesn't hold up well at all. This one is kind of funny because I, I almost always skip it. I feel, because Pearl Jam, I think, could be a little preachy. Okay. And I think the song is a little preachy. I don't like the hook very much. But on the occasion where I just kind of let it play, and this is an album I don't revisit very often, but when I do, uh, if I happen to, I'm like, oh, I don't dislike this one as much as I remember. I think I don't like it. Then I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's not bad. Even though when he says it's a glorified version of a of a pellet gun, I can't help but sing pelican. You know, every time that <laughs> right, makes me giggle. Right. And then you know, the next four times I listen to the album, I skip it. Sure. You know, just one of those. So it escapes in, it. It slips in every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, I don't. I don't hate this song, but I still don't like it very much. Yeah, I understand. Unlike Dissident, I do hate this song. I do not like this song at all. Glorified G, basically, I'll go from Daughter and I'll go straight to WMA Okay. if I'm listening to this song. Uh, and when, when I put it on, I'm, I, these two songs are probably not even on my iPod, which I still have. <laughs> so I don't, have the, I don't even have to worry about skipping them. But this one, and then unlike it, when I do let it play, I like, oh, right. I, I, I hate the guitar in this one. I, this just sounds like a like a shitty bad company song or something. I just don't like it. That's fine. Yeah. Dissident, yeah, it's not a favorite. WMA is where it picks up again, but it's still not quite there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, the less said about four and five, we can jump ahead. Great. So we'll go on to WMA, White Male American. What do you think about this one? I like it. And uh, having listened to it the past couple of days, uh, I found that this felt new to me, that it, uh, and it felt like something that I was able to identify with something in this uh, song that I somehow missed uh, before. Yeah, I, I certainly like this song more than you know I did 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, now, is this one that you had a tendency to skip? Is that why it sounded new and had yeah. a little bit fresh, Maybe. fresh light I, for I you? Think, I think I went from daughter to all the way, unfortunately, to Ruby went. Oh, huh. So for me, with WMA, and again, this is them, I think, trying to write a statement song, I think, to its detriment, because I think musically, it's a really good song. I love the drums, like kind of the syncopated rhythms that it starts off and that that bass line. And Jeff Ament, I think, is a a pretty underappreciated bass player. I think he writes really great bass leads uh, and, and helps carry the melody a lot. So just that musically does a lot for me. 
Right. I don't think the message is off base. You know, the whole idea of, you know, white male American, you won the lottery by being born. Yeah, I'm, I don't disagree with you, but mm-hmm. it just feels a little too message song starts now. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting because I think maybe part of the reason why I'm able to connect with it now is that because we become much more socially aware sure. of this issue in, in, re- in recent years. Uh, so I think that in hindsight, it, maybe it was a song ahead of his time. Um, if we just were we were too young and dumb to to appreciate it. Well, I never disagreed with the sentiment. I, I yeah. thought that that was. Uh, I I think I, even then I understood my privilege, even if I wouldn't have used those exact words at the time. Right. It, I think just sometimes Eddie Vedder. It, Eddie Vedder's not the most subtle songwriter. Right. I agree. That this song just something about the message on top of what I think is a is a pretty interesting mus- song musically. Yeah, I think he works best when there's kind of. He's being more poetic mm-hmm. uh, rather than being direct. Yeah. So. I'm Brian Colburn. And I'm Jay Sweet. And we're the co-hosts of Tune Styles, a podcast aimed at the music nerd in us all. Each listener interactive episode hones in on a different musical topic or artist. Featuring guest interviews, listener polls, and roundtable discussions about the music that shaped the soundtrack to our lives. You can find us at ToonStylesPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Subscribe to ToonStyles and be a part of our weekly musical conversation. Stay tuned. And now, back to the show. Now, this goes on to track seven which is called blood and you know there's a part of me that really wishes that was track three because this song rocks you know this is just that there and i think a lot of that i wonder what people would have thought if this was track three and Hmm. then track four slows all the way down to daughter and then you have like these musically interesting stuff and that if if it would have been boom 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 how do people, are people like, oh, is Pearl Jam super heavy now or something? You know, that kind of thing. And it's a shorter track. And I think he really pushes his vocals to the to the edge in this one. It doesn't have that thing that he got known for. And he's really screaming at certain points. And I think a really good song, but I can see why people would skip this one. It's well, it's a bit of, it's kind of fluff almost. Maybe. I, I'm kind of surprised I skipped it because this is a blind spot. Like this one, it almost have like the Mandela effect with <laughs> this particular track because i don't remember it <laughs> i don't like i don't remember a song called blood on this album okay but told me that there were 11 tracks on this album i would have like agreed with you so, <laughs> so this one if like all of a sudden there's a new pearl jam song and this album that i love i agree it, it would be very interesting if you change the order of it but yeah i i, I dig the song I, I i think it's fluff like you say but I dig it anyways, and it's new to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and fluff in the best kind of way, because it's not, I don't think it's a bad song. It's a short song. And I think if they would have put that in track three, and again, it's not really long, but it's like boom, boom. And then it's like boom, just one more, just yeah, one yeah, more yeah. jab in there. And then, and then mix it up with a bunch of other stuff, I think would have right. been fun. And I wonder if at some point, if somebody had done that, if that at one point was the track order. And, uh, sure. Uh, only for it to be dropped a little bit further back. Beyond the Mandela effect of uh, <laughs> of the brand new Pearl Jam song uh, from 20 years ago, uh, we have Rearview Mirror. And this one is, this is a Mount Rushmore song for me. I love this song. I love this song so much. Yeah. I love that the Beatle-y bass line at the beginning, just the intro, and then just the just the beat, just the... I, I'm hearing it. You know, you're, you're yeah. describing it. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like 
moving. My body's moving to it already. And yeah. this is a song I have listened to in the car more times than I care to, to even talk about. Sometimes for good. I remember going through a particularly bad breakup yeah. and listening to this song and the last song, just a few <laughs> songs for two and a half hours as I uh, drove home from Tampa to Daytona. Just yeah. those two songs on repeat. Uh, well, I wonder how many people have gotten speeding tickets because of this song. <laughs> it's... I mean, the build yeah. of it is structurally perfect. Yeah. It's so great. I mean, they have a lot of great songs, a treasure trove of, of great songs. But this one, this might be if someone said, play me a, pro, a great Pro Jam song, like I only have time for one, I might pick this because there's a story and the build of it is just, it's just so great. This is so many things that they do well in right. one song so again it goes back to to me saying how great of a bass player jeff ment is yeah. and just how he has that sense of melody and it carries so he's not just playing the rhythm he's one of those guys that plays the bass like fuck you i'm the lead guitar player <laughs> and this is one just that opening and then just like you said the build and then the drive but then there's a song a story to the song and just so much of what they do well is in this song their song is playing so loud in my head right now i mean it's just talking about it it's in my it's such a great song and if this song were the one that can be stuck in my head for the rest of my life i think i, I might be able to pull it off because it's so it's just so good i mean the technical level the writing the, oh man i hate again i'm stuck saying <laughs> great all the time but this is a very very special song and then brings us to track nine, Rats. I feel like I should hate this song. <laughs> I do, and I, I feel like this this is the the one of the first signs that this band gonna end up, is going to be different. Isn't there a song in Vitalogy like Rats, where it's him and an, an accordion? Oh, it's not Rats, but Bugs. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. For me, even I don't know. I I kind of lump these two songs together in a weird way. Even though they're, they're very, very different, but I love the song. I, I, I feel that it has a third message here, and, and, and I think it's, he's hiding it better. I don't, I don't feel like he's laying it on thick like he does sometimes with his other song. I really take the song, but I don't know why. I feel like I should hate it, though. Like, <laughs> because even when I, I played it yesterday, I haven't heard it in such a long time. And that and I'm like, oh, I don't think I like this. One. And I dug. I'm like, oh yeah, I do love this. One. But again, I, and I, I feel like a loss for words here. I, I don't know why though. My instinct is to be against it. I think this is this is a message song. This reminds me a lot of WMA, where he's right. trying to say something. It's a, it's a bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I love the groove on this right, song. Yeah. Like the bass on this song again is fantastic, and it's just got that. This could almost be a dance song if you find the right. There's like some level you need to pump in there to, to make it that way. But I could see being at at nine one one or um, what was the what was your oh Parthenon, Parthenon? being at Parthenon and hearing the song uh, with the right speakers yeah. and just something like the bass line pumped up a little bit louder and sped up by like ten percent and you're dancing in your Doc Martens and yeah. it's in my head. <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> like I'm, I'm really I'm just sitting there yeah. rocking to so uh, and I think again it, it is a slightly more subtle song than WMA. And again, I think musically interesting. And it, it just felt like mm-hmm. too often he he's in this Superman pose when he's writing his songs. And I think to it, I think, I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. It's just right there. It's like, I like it. 
I, I like it. Like I feel like it should be a novelty song or something, yeah. but it's not. You know, like I feel like that in someone if this were in somebody else's hands, this would be very cheesy. And for and for some reason it works for them, but at the same time I'm completely aware that it should. And I think some of the time, these songs feel like they keep you at arm's length. Okay, so now we're going to move on to uh, what I'm assuming is is a highlight for you here. Elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Uh, Chris, take it away. Tell me about this song. Yes, this song is awesome. It tells a story. You know, you and I are big story people. and So this this works. But again, we have a female protagonist. Unfortunately, uh, both of both of the uh, the women in the album are damaged in their own way. But this is this particular woman though is just the time and missed opportunity, regret. I mean it's just uh, so much. One of the greatest moments uh in my life. Uh, like outside my children being born. <laughs> I should qualify that. But I I'm not a concert person as you know. It takes a lot to get me to go to a concert. But I've been lucky for the few concerts that I've been to to see very special things. And one of them, I saw Pearl Jam in Philadelphia. I want to say 99 or 2000. And it was just one of those, I came home from a trip and my buddy just shows up and says, I, I just won these tickets on the radio. Let's go. Crap. And we went and they played this song. I wasn't expecting it. And when he gets to the point is, I just want to scream. Hello, the entire audience in unison says scream hello. It was just one of those, everybody's on the same wavelength. It's just those perfect moments where everyone is exactly where they're supposed to be, and it's perfect. Just that whole section, you know, that hello and everything, I just love. And it's one of the few songs, uh, because uh, I have a bad uh, head when it comes to Remembering music, I can, I can tell you every line of this song. <laughs> Won't sing it for you because no one deserves that, but I just love this song. And I'll tell you, when I first was listening to this album, the charms of this song were lost on me a bit. And I think because... You have no heart. I have no heart, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm dead inside. Uh, I'm a terrible human being. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think part of it, I'm, I'm having a difficult time remembering if this was the track. There was one song on this album, I'm pretty sure it was this one, that I was convinced sounded exactly like another song. Huh. And I went and, and I thought on the, I think on the first Pearl Jam, and I just couldn't, I, there was something about it I just couldn't put together. And there's not, I just, I'm like, isn't that, haven't I already right. heard the song? Right. And I had this echo effect and I could never concentrate on the song because I swore I had already heard this song and it was very weird. And then by the time, I think because I was just listening to the heavier stuff at this point. I just love how, Everyone brings their own baggage to music, you know? So this was just one that I kept trying to hunt down. Like, I swear this sounds like something. And, and then I think because of that, the charms of it were lost on me. And it was really after you telling me that story. And I didn't realize you got the tickets for free. I don't remember that part of the story, which is even better. Yeah. Then I went back and listened to it. I'm like, oh, I love this song. How did I not notice how great the song was that first time around? Yeah. But what I love it with that, the thing about that is that sigh of relief of, you know, that hello, but she doesn't say it. She just wants to. It's liberating, and at the same time, it's just incredibly sad. I mean, it's, it's such a... And I wonder if part of this, because now you, uh, as I think you mentioned last time, you grew up in Hudson, which is a, yeah. a, a really small town in Florida, and then you ended yeah. up going to college in Tampa, which right. is, a, is a pretty yeah. big-sized town. Uh, so now anytime you went home, but now that's a pretty short distance for you. 
Yeah, it's so, like a 45, 45 minute, minute drive. drive. Yeah. So, for, I mean, because for me growing, I grew up in Daytona Beach, outside of Daytona Beach, actually. And then going to Tampa it was about a two, two and a half hour drive. Right. Uh, and so running into people from high school for that first year was kind of cool. First couple of years, like you're back home. Ah. Right. And then there was like, all right, after you graduated, then there was the whole, it used to be kind of cool to see a former classmate in the mall. And then you got to a point where if they're still working in the mall, you didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know, the, and, and right. I wonder if, if you brought any of that to the song if there was something about because for me going back home could be fraught because daytona is not a very big place and right. almost everybody went to the same high school it felt like well i mean i could be projecting but but i do feel like now you know and looking at some of my friends who are still there i feel like that this story could apply to them mm-hmm. you know i don't uh, i hope not you know i hope they're <laughs> i hope they're i hope they're, didn't, uh, hope they're happy but you know this is yeah, I guess again, this is one of those. The older you get, the more you can really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, the song and the fact that Eddie Vedder was, you know, young when he wrote this, and he was able to kind of, again, have that sensitivity and empathy to kind of create this character. Again, not worrying about his image to do it, to play. I mean, this shouldn't work. I mean, this, really, I mean, this shouldn't. This is like something that Tori Amos would should sing. I would love to hear her cover that now that you say that out loud. Me too. And, you know, like this stuff, like if I heard her, her singing it, like this, it makes sense for her, you know, or a, or a female musician. But him singing it, you know, like if someone explained it to you, like the rocker sings the song, like it sounds like it really should work. And it just, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect diamond of a song. I never get tired of it. And the more I return to it, the more I can really appreciate it. Now, is this one that you liked upon first listen? Yeah. Okay, so this was always a highlight oh, for you. All right. Hand down. I mean, it's just, I mean, I love their rock when, they're, when they go hard. But, you know, even with their first album at the Black and uh, Garden. Garden. That was my favorite off the first Yeah. Album. I mean, it's just when they go mournful like that and they slow it down, I, I really clicked with them and this is just one of those but at the same time it's like a different path it's a different choice and showing that i appreciate the band's empathy and i think that it really comes across in their music and this is a great example of it. just ask because because of that great concert moment I, there's been songs that i i've liked on an album and then i've experienced it live and then it's like oh and then that song makes more sense for me later. Like, can you give me an example? Now let me think. I'm trying to think of a song off of. Oh God, now I'm just blanking. Edit, edit later. <laughs> I'm gonna have to because I think there was something off of um, the Crooked Fingers album that I thought was okay, and I'll, I'll have to think of it later. There's there's times where you where you like a song on the album fine and then you see it live and then suddenly it has a whole new meaning for you and you can bring that experience to the studio track and it elevates it and i wonder i wondered if that was the case for you no no it it, it only it, it solidified how perfect the song is for me if anything it made me feel great that because I'm in a vacuum when it, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who's online talking about music. The fact that I realized I wasn't alone when it came to that song, it made it even better. It's like, oh, everyone, everyone, you know, like <laughs> I'm a part of something bigger than me with this song because it's just, it is so special. And that's cool. And those are, and those are such great moments. I have one that's similar, but almost on the opposite end. I remember singing Metallica <laughs> and they have a song called Creeping Death. 
And, <laughs> yeah. and there's the, the, you say, die by my hand. And so he's got the entire crowd just chanting, die, die, die all over. Right. And it sounds perfect. Yeah. It was cool. I was, yeah. <laughs> I, was six, I was 16. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that out too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Go. And then that brings us to track 11. There is one more track after this, Chris. Please keep it. I know. I know. Track 11 is Leash. So this is another, another rocker. So they've kind of buried here at the end. I don't have a lot to say about this one. I don't either, but I think it's necessary because you, without it, to go from elderly woman to indifference, mm-hmm. it, it just would have been too much. Yeah. So I think leash is kind of important. I'm with you. I don't have a lot to say about it, but it's necessary. Sure, for spacing and whatnot. And, yeah. And it's it's pretty hard. And I think there's some like really good splashy drums on it. Yeah. I, I just don't. It, it's it's good, but it's not great. It fills a place. It does what it's supposed to do. Like I just feel like it's a placeholder. Now let's say this is track four. <laughs> yeah. So you got four rockers right at the beginning. Yeah, that would have. Been- like real heavy in the front, yeah, and then and just all crazy in the, in the back. back, yeah, yeah. Because indifference is if another song it's really, yeah. really kind of special. Let's move on from leash. I don't have much to say about it. Good tune. Next one up, last song, indifference. This is one of my all-time favorites. So this in rearview mirror again. I listened to those two back to back for a two-hour drive. I cannot tell you how much I love this song. The lyrics in this song. Just the, there's no, let's say, solid story as much no. as just a declaration of one person to another person. And just the exact, just, it's, oh, it's great. I love this song. This song, this song in the right moment can, can make me get weepy. Yeah. I will scream my lungs out to build this room. Yeah. yeah. Lots of great imagery. Lot, I mean, it's just, the writing here really sharp. Even if you divorce it from music, I think that there's like a, a spoken word kind of quality to it that could work. And because there's just so many of those lines, like the one you just brought up, for me, it's uh, I'll keep taking punches until their will grows tired. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's poetic. And I think this is a disservice by saying it, but I do feel that... Eddie Better, you know, particularly at this time too, I, I lost touch with it. Eddie Better at times reminds me of Jim Morrison in terms of creating poetic music. I know he didn't write it, but, but I think just all of them working together, they kind of tap into kind of like a Jim Morrison quality where you can take away take away the uh, the music and it works. The, the the text works by itself, and I think there's a certain power to that because you can't do that with every song. No. And so I think that there's a certain power to this, to the text by itself. The music, though, damn, it's beautiful. Slinky and sexy and sad. It's like I could almost see the backing music of this being on The Future from Leonard Cohen. Okay, sure, sure. It's really sad, but it's not pessimistic. I mean, there's a certain kind of weird optimism at play here that, that I really dig. That I think the easy thing to do is just to kind of run with it, push it down, but I, I feel that it's glass half full kind of song. But I think it's also, I'm glad I heard this song when I was 21. Right. And not now. I don't know if I would appreciate it as much now. Like, I'd still like the music, but I wonder if the words would be a little, uh, take it Take it down a notch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> take it easy. Yeah, yeah, go, you go sit in the corner for a moment. <laughs> But at 21, all those words were, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. Not even so much deep or profound. It was just like, it, that just hit me. And, yeah, that's the one that tickles your soul a little bit. 
right. uh, but at the right time. It's about the feeling. Yeah. I mean, it just it, it really consumes you in terms of what it's trying to do, and yeah, it just yeah, it's kind of water and and a cup. It just fills in all the all the spaces. That's a perfect metaphor there. I'm going to just go ahead and leave it alone. It's a historical document, not so much in terms of music, which I'm sure some, someone smarter than me can talk about, but it's just in terms of a, a, a time capsule for, for my life at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, and, and this is something you and I talk about through other mediums, the fact that I can return to it and it still works without making me cringe, mm-hmm. you know, without, you know, it's without losing any kind of value. Is I, I feel that uh, sensitivity of the of this music is something that allows it to grow with me um, rather than allow me. To, I don't want to lose touch with it. And I hope it continues because this is a great album. This is the one I, I return to. And I have kept up marginally with their career. I cannot tell you the last time I listened to 10. 10 is a doc. For me, 10 might as well be set in stone. Okay. 10 is 1991. Mm-hmm. And while this album reminds me of 1993, it does, I can still, I've listened to this throughout the years. Nine times out of 10, if I'm reaching for Pearl Jam, I'm reaching for this one. I would say probably seven times out of those 10, I'm just here for a difference <laughs> and rearview mirror. And that's about it. You know, those end up on playlists. Those two songs end up just, you know, sometimes like I need to, I need, I need to get from here to there and, and rearview mirror is going to get me there. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. That whole era of music was my high school university time. And so I don't know how to view that period without my experience you know so i don't i think that was a real special time for music but but again i don't know if i'm saying that because i experienced it at that exact time at, at that right age or if it was if I, I wanted to leave i just don't want to be one of those people like oh you know that's what music was great then yeah you know i could i i think now i think music is is, is the best it's ever been right now i i just don't think that we just can't keep up with it and we can't find it all. Yeah. You know, I, I, so at that time, it's like these seven albums are going to come out Tuesday and it felt easier to keep up with, you know, and so I don't want to make an argument about music better. I don't think it was. Certainly for me, it was really special. And albums like this are the reason why. Yeah, I mean, this was the last gasp of the monoculture. When, so there was not a whole lot coming i mean there was plenty coming out and and you but you, you people kind of you had your niche and you found your niche yeah and you, and you went with it so uh it's hard sometimes it's hard i find revisiting especially stuff more from high school when i was listening to heavy metal is trying to hear things without nostalgia right and there's some albums i cannot listen to without nostalgia like when i'm listening to that 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 album i'm listening to with 1987 ears and I and there's times when I can listen through that and I'm like, okay, this is actually a decent album. More often than not, it's like, oh, that's shit. That is not a good record. Yeah. Uh, and it's some, some and sometimes I remember what appealed to me about that record, and other times I'm just baffled at like what yeah. about that I enjoyed. And I'm not talking about like when you're nine. I'm talking about when I was 16 or 17. Sure. Just beyond that. That. So like he said, with the we bring stuff to the music and we bring right. different stuff for different eras. And sometimes I can only hear things one way. And other times I listen to something enough throughout the years that while every once in a while, like, ah, that'll, ah I remember that, that car drive. Right. 
uh, a lot of times you just think, okay, this came out in 93, but you know, I listened to it four weeks ago. Well, I think it's great. You know, you know, this has been said, I mean, there's nothing new about how music can just really bring me back mm-hmm. to something very specific. And I, and I love that about the, the medium where if you read a book that you loved when you were 18, you're not taken back to the period. It's just you're re-experiencing it. Yeah. You know, like it's overwriting the previous image. And, you know, when music doesn't, you know, I, there are exceptions, obviously, but most time it's just here. I mean, spending the last couple of days listening to this and, and the, their previous album, it just, it just, it brought back so many things. People felt uncomfortable working with me because I was just literally just in the corner crying. <laughs> but cheer but, of happiness. But it's just, it, it just does something for you, you know? And I think that it's like a time machine. It just brings you right to where you, where you were. And so that's, that's music for you. Well, I thought uh, drinking a beer out of a big cup glass was, uh, was, a, was a nice touch. Uh, nice throwback uh, touch. I really wanted, I, I'm a method listener. Chris, thank you so much for joining and uh, once again for suggesting this album and and getting me back to listen to it again for the first time in a little while. It's been a lot of fun. This has been, I fucking love this record. Been Derek Christian listening to Pearl Jam's Verses. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to I Fucking Love This Record. If you would like to co-host an episode, contact me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. This and every episode can be found on my website, lovethisrecord.com. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, it's Love This Record. Twitter and Instagram, Love This Record 1. Music provided by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review, and we'll see you next time.